0: hey where did you get those clothes at the toilet store
1: three squares you can't spare three squares no i don't have a square to spare i can't spare a square i knew it i'm
2: surrounded by assholes welcome back once again to gag real the very unnecessary and unasked for podcast where we discuss comedy movies and comedy television because who else is doing it? Probably someone better. But you're here, so let's have a good time. I am your host, Ryan Scanlon, and I'm joined, per usual, by my brother Will.
1: I got fired from the hosting duty. <laughs> How's it going, Ryan?
2: It's good to be sitting here chatting uh, about a fun movie. I'm there's excited.
1: a there's a rumor that there's a uh, someone else. Joining us for this podcast.
2: Yeah, yeah, I was going to introduce, uh, you know, a third here, but uh, we started chatting. Apologize, Becca. How are you doing? Our third chair, once again.
0: You know, I'm, What's going I'm on? doing pretty groovy. I'm enjoying the day. Good to be on here again.
2: Yeah, this is... Uh... We're gonna be chatting about Jim Carrey today who has a really interesting and pretty wild career like through this era. Uh, And I'm excited to talk a little bit about it, just how huge of a star he was. Let's go back to 1997 and chat about Jim Carrey in Liar Liar. Let's get it started.
0: now any change miss absolutely um, could you spare some yes i could uh, <gasps> i can't
1: lie
0: all he can do is tell the truth
1: like the jazz whatever it takes the focus
0: off your head the whole truth you know
2: why i pulled you over by changed lanes without signaling while running
0: a red line and speeding and nothing but the truth it was me your wish came true Ling- how are we doing this morning, Consul? I'm a little upset about a bad sexual episode I had last night. From Universal Pictures and Imagine Entertainment, and the director of The Nutty Professor, Jim Carrey. Liar Liar. New in the building? Mm-hmm.
1: Everybody's been real
0: nice. Well, that's well, because you have big... This is a good trailer.
1: <laughs>
2: I had not seen this movie in a long, long time, and uh, I think there were only a few bits in it that really stuck with me as a kid, so it was fun to go back uh, and and appreciate a little bit more other than just Jim Carrey's really wacky, over-the-top kind of physical performances. I feel like looking back, that was what I enjoyed most about this movie as a child, that and like just some... Strange things going on, like the song that's playing in their elementary school. Uh, I'm so happy today. Or I guess that was the, the song party. that's playing at the birthday party. Mm-hmm. That I'm so happy today. Just and you spoiling things, things like because
1: that. that's going to be a whole diatribe.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry to the non-spoiler listeners if I just made a very strange and obscure thing. It's not a major joke. It is, <laughs> but okay, maybe it is. But yeah, sure this isn't. was a this is a fun watch for <laughs> me. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious. Becca, what, what was this one like for you this time around?
0: As a kid, this wasn't really a, a huge, like, watch for me. Obviously, I watched it and I enjoyed it, but I didn't, like, watch it all the time. I didn't really quote it. I heard y'all quoting it all the time. Um, but it was still a fun romp, but, like, watching it now as an, as an adult, you get different jokes and you enjoy it differently. Still enjoy it, but it's just a hits different, so to speak. Uh, what about you, Willard? Um, this was
1: one I went to a lot as a kid. We had a, nowadays you would call that like a bootleg tape where we copied or we got a dual v, uh, VCR and copied, or no, 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 it was a pay per view that we recorded. We didn't do a vo- dual VCR thing, we recorded it off of pay per view. And uh, so we had a tape of it. That uh, I, I watched pretty regularly. I feel like this was one of the uh, Jim Carrey ones I watched more than the others because that was the one we owned. Uh, that and um, Batman Forever. But yeah, uh, as a kid, watched it a lot, enjoyed it. I had I had some favorite jokes as a kid, and a few years ago, I think I, I rewatched it just so I was working on a little hobby project uh, where I was trying to soak up a lot of uh movies and television about uh the like lawyers and i was just like let me look back on that movie and it was fun i read the script it was it was fun and then this time going back it was kind of more enjoyable to focus in on the jokes i laughed a lot at as a kid versus the jokes that i found humorous now overall i think this is one of those interesting movies that i've read some of the background info on how the script came together, and honestly, this is very similar to a movie we did a couple episodes ago with School of Rock in how the actual joke jokes are fairly light, and it's really performance heavy, and I really wonder how any other performer could have played this movie the way they did.
2: Yeah, I think so much of the like bigger laughs are, are 100% just Carrie's eccentric performance but there are a lot of like like oh no he said that kind of bits throughout the second act that I feel like was on paper supposed to be kind of the brunt of the comedy and what glued everything together all the kind of like you know uh, all all the insults thrown around uh, and and all of the the horrible humorous things that he says because uh, it's almost more so what is the worst thing I could possibly be saying right now, rather than I can't lie, yeah. is, is the vibe that I get from this
0: curse. Yeah. Figuratively speaking. Really? How delightful this way.
2: Like the absolute sense. worst thing on his mind comes out, no matter what, if someone asks him.
1: But yeah, overall, it just it has this really classic kind of feel to the movie is what I enjoy about it. We talked about some performers from the 50s before on our uh, for listeners who are tuning in now and haven't gone back through our back catalog. Feel free to check out our episode on An American Pickle. And um clumping because we talk about a lot of old comedies from the you know 50s and 60s and this has that much of a feel like in that episode, I bring up that I was not a fan whatsoever of a lot of the performances of Jerry Lewis, but that does come to mind when watching this movie.
2: Yeah, yeah this is I wrote down like from the opening just the uh, the way it was shot and the scoring and everything is just... I mean, generic sounds like a harsh word, because this all is functional. But um, it just, yeah, it's very kind of run-of-the-mill in, in a way. But almost, you know, given the time this came out, almost in a throwback way.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just has this classical feel, and I'll get to it in our second episode when we get into specifics, but it's its a very, very simple premise. And so I don't want to give it too much praise but there are aspects of the writing here that is just so on point that it's just like really, really well put together, how they're able to set up everything in such a short amount of time. I will, yeah.
0: I will say it reminds me of the best analogy I can think of. If someone makes like a very traditional cake, that's mm. a good cake, and they just put their own spin on it. That's what Jim Carrey did. He's He made, like, a traditional, like, little <laughs> chocolate cake, but it was a delicious cake.
2: Yeah, I want to forgo like, going into individual bits right now, even though I feel like that is going to be the more fun discussion on this movie because uh, there, there were a handful of lines that were, like, kind of, you know, cut, cut a little deep with just how true it was, uh, but in, in an interesting and biting, humorous <laughs> way. But then also this is one of those instances where I really wish this was... A video uh, podcast kind of thing where we yes. could really break down frame by frame a lot of these performances. Because there's like a running motif in this especially, but in, in a lot of Carrie stuff. But it seemed like the, the director and the DP really worked with his comedic style here to um, give his physical comedy a lot of fun that played with the frames that they were doing. So there's a lot of him in comical ways getting pulled out of frame, getting pulled into frame. Him falling out of frame and then part of his body, like, kind of popping back in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just,
2: uh, they're really playful with him and the camera and uh, kind of merging those as one. But, uh, yeah, I'm super excited to break those down.
1: And there's also just so many, like, visual aspects to the performance. Like, not to get tread too far into specific territory, but just... What he does with a water pitcher in a court uh-huh. sequence, <laughs> and how he chugs it, and then chugs it, and then when he has to go up. He pours a little tiny bit, takes a little baby sip, and <laughs> it's just like little tiny visual performance things that just are really, uh, really unique.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I guess um, I think it's time for us to do a little bit of a where Where did the movie come from? A little bit of background on the movie might be a shorter segment this week, but kind of curious uh, if you dug up anything interesting.
1: A little bit the most interesting aspects are uh really i'm sure shrouded in mystery because there's just not a whole lot of uh reporting being done on the film but the uh the film itself which really really feels honed in on jim carrey it's surprising to find out that it was actually originally written to be about a scummy real estate agent by uh, paul guai and stephen uh, mazer who lies to clients about houses and was planned to be a vehicle for Steve Martin.
0: Interesting. Mm.
2: I could see some of these, all of the lying kind of bits. I could see working. Yeah, with it would Steve have been Martin. indeed. Yeah,
1: I mean, like, yeah, Steve Martin would probably bring his own version of uh, physicality to the role. Yeah. But but at the same time, yeah, it would have been more of I, I'm I'm imagining like was it Neil Page? Is that his character in Planes, Trains? Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah. You know, stuck up lie kind of guy and yeah he has to he has to be honest
0: it could be fun
1: but it would be very different it
0: would come off as more angry but then pitiful i guess just just a different kind of um
1: and then it was later rewritten uncredited mind you by judd apatow to uh, revolve around a lawyer and um, change the uh, the structure of the role to be a younger actor, no older than thirty five. And actors considered for the role at that point became Jim Carrey, Mike Myers, and Eddie Murphy. Mike Myers turned it down because he was working on Austin Powers, and actually Jim Carrey turned down a role in Austin Powers to do Liar Liar. That's insane. And um, he did so on the condition that um his uh, his friend Tom Shadyac would direct the, which it would have been their second collaboration following Ace Ventura actor Cary Elwes was actually um he ran into Jim Carrey and um where they were just chatting about what they were up to and uh Jim Carrey brought up uh yeah you want you want to be in this movie we're working on and El was agreed on the spot.
2: That's and, wild. Yeah, uh, that's a good yeah. intuition on. I mean, not to not to say that uh, you know, Cary Elwes can't like you know just uh, play anything, but like uh, it's, it's good intuition on Jim to Jim Carrey to realize like this role would be perfect for this dude.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, the budget of the film was forty-five million dollars, and it went on to make three hundred and two million. Big hit.
2: Yeah. Curiously. I mean, maybe we could just skim really quick through it, but where this sits in the Jim Carrey trajectory kind of thing, you said this was after Ace Ventura, right?
1: This was after, well, in 1994, he had his three big hits. That's right. He had uh, Ace, he had Dumb and Dumber, and he had um, The Mask. All came out one after the other and just, like, exploded. And then after that, he did uh, Batman Forever, Yes, Fred, what is everything to someone and nothing to everyone else? You're mine, baby! And now mine comes with the power of yours. I'm sucking up your IQ. Vacuuming the cortex. Feeding off your brain. And yeah. um, the cable guy. Uh, the cable guy not doing so well. And, um, and so, like, uh, yeah, this was... After all those and it was kind of like the next vehicle for him, I guess you would say. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the next big Jim Carrey thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um at this point, you know, like studios had faith in him. They gave yep. him a crap ton of money for this movie. And um yeah, it was also it was but it was still before any um dramatic performances of his.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And this I feel like kind of uh started a little bit of like, you know, him getting these huge comedies. Like Bruce Almighty wasn't that many years later and uh I, I would put in, in a similar camp to this one.
1: I would say and, yeah, uh, that was his one last really big straight up this is me doing a outright comedy where I do wacky stuff the whole movie. Yeah and I'm the main character type thing.
2: Yeah, and I think um since throwing out Bruce Almighty out there, I uh I do have to recommend that one if you've never seen it, but I also have uh, a an, an, a separate recommendation, and we all kind of have some recommendations. I'll hop off of that and, and into what do I recommend that's similar to um, similar to Liar Liar? In our favorite segment, that's my favorite movie. That's
0: my favorite movie.
2: Yeah. There was a Ricky Gervais movie, I wanted to say a few years ago, and I realized it's 2009. That's many years ago now. It was
0: a few
1: years ago.
2: Called uh, The Invention of Lying, which plays on a lot of similar themes in kind of a different angle and uh, has Ricky Gervais' much more dry sense of humor to it, less physicality, but I do think touches on a lot of similar things and um, has just as much wit as this movie and just as much kind of uh, biting... Uh, biting commentary so what what movies did you guys have to recommend in, in a similar vein to liar liar
0: i know what becca's recommending you know what i am gonna recommend it you know what just because of that comment you know what i think y'all should watch big fat liar it's a fun one it's more of the angry asshole vibe it's got frankie muniz is that his name
2: that is his name
0: and paul giamatti and it's a Fun romp of revenge and just a liar versus liar. And who doesn't like that fun trope?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a fun movie.
0: Indeed. It's got a Duran Duran song in it. Who doesn't like Duran Duran? It
2: had uh, adult Urkel in it. So, you know, you got to give it some props there. It did. It did.
0: Will, what do you recommend?
1: If you like the courtroom sequences, I'm going to throw out My Cousin Vinny. Okay. Mm. Very funny movie. A lot more accurate. In terms of the courtroom sequences, uh, it's actually played in uh, law schools for its accuracy. But it's also a very funny movie. Indeed. And it's a good one. It's one of my favorites. Check it out. Oh, oh, oh. Got another recommendation. Oh,
0: he's got another recommendation.
1: Different movie, but it also has Greta in it. (laughs) And it has similar themes. Mrs. Doubtfire.
2: Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah. Props to Anne Haney in this Being being great and funny to work off of.
1: Yeah, she's only got three scenes, but she really leaves a...
2: Works well off of Jim Carrey, and she passed away in 2001, just a few years after this.
1: Oh, wow. uh, uh,
2: This one came out, so...
1: I did not know that.
2: Shout out to Anne Haney. Rest in peace, Anne Haney. But I think that's it for this episode of The Gag Reel. As always, look us up on social medias, at Pod or write into us to gagrealpod at gmail.com or go to the website gagrealpod.com and have a good one.
1: Keep it real. Gag Real.
0: Watch out for the club.
1: It's over now.